Are we live? We're live. Cool. Welcome to episode 100, Ruka. 100, finally. We took a long time to do this, but we do want to talk about something interesting. We do. We have a couple of interesting things to talk about. I mean, the first is Noster. Like, we want to talk about that and decentralized social media bit on a, a platform that heavily integrated cryptography, which, like, in my mind, uh, brings back into the question of go full crypto. And like that whole name to me, like I still kind of like the name because crypto to means to me means cryptography, and it doesn't necessarily mean Ponzi scheme shit coining or cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency. Like to that's, me, that's outside of the. We're we're not getting into that right away. But you know, even with Nostr, if you've heard of it, if you're on it, or if you're wondering what it is about, we're going to cover that in this episode. But also. SAS mining. mining yeah, Bitcoin. I think we should talk a little bit about SAS mining as well. Yeah. Before we do that, Murga, I do want to like start to in our podcasts like start with a like a slight disclaimer or like preamble about like what kind of a podcast that is, and that is we're a value for value podcast. Meaning, like if you've listened to other episodes, we've never served you an ad, and we never want to. But that being said, like we like what we do, and we want to continue doing it. And if you, even if it's under a different name, even even if it's under a different whenever name, whenever that happens, because we've still, been planning for it for a while. Yeah, we're still undecided on that. I think last episode we we're like, this is the second last episode, but now we're on a hundred, and it's like we don't know. We might do a hundred and one. We have no I, idea. I don't want to. You can do it yourself. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, we're a little undecided, <laughs> but like we have other things that we do that are value for value, like my my newsletter at keeganfrancis.substack.com. That's a value for value newsletter. And some people have graciously signed up for the premium letter and given me money, despite like me overtly saying or drawing a distinction between premium people get this and free subscribers get that. Like my content's free for everyone. And now. Sa- same with this podcast. Now it is. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I don't like that model, by the way. <laughs> I was thinking about it earlier and I was thinking... The value that, for value model? No, I don't like the fact that you've turned on subscriptions again because I'm just, I'm in a marketing mindset right now and it's very confusing for someone to see subscribing to your newsletter when there really is no difference between a premium subscriber and a normal subscriber because the the flow of someone signing up for your newsletter changes if you have a paywall for them, if they you know do wish to become a paid subscriber but i i think that you could make it easier for someone to buy you a coffee and i say that in quotes because you have a profile on that and that's much easier to conceptualize as a giving back value instead of just turning on the paywall for becoming a premium subscriber when there really is no difference between being a normal subscriber and a premium subscriber i turned on the subscription because someone was like how do i give you some money every month and on buy you a coffee or buy me a coffee that they don't allow me to do that Oh, there's no monthly subscription. There's no monthly subscription. It's just oh, it's just one time payment. So it was just much easier for me to turn, turn on the subscription. On. But like, I that totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. And like, you're juiced on marketing lately, and like, yeah. you're on point, which we'll, we'll talk about with respect to size mining yeah. as well. But yeah, I I know it's not perfect, but I'd rather like have it on than not have it at all. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. But this is actually a really good transition into Noster, which is the first topic for our um, conversation today, because that platform is very much a or that protocol rather is very much a value for value the, protocol okay. anyway i actually do want to dive that into that a little bit more everybody says are you a noster but you can't really be a noster it's like i feel like it's like saying are you on the internet instead of asking someone are you on twitter right because noster like you said is a protocol it's not a platform it's not an application yeah it's a protocol yeah yeah and do you want to break on- that down for our listeners Break the da- break out break down the difference between a protocol and 
yeah, an application that is built using a protocol. And also just define Noster because we haven't done that and we've said the word like six times. And I actually don't know if does is Noster an acronym for something else? Noster is an acronym. N O S T R. So. It's uh, notes and R. other stuff transmitted by relays. I thought R did. I, I thought R would be a relay, but what? Say that again, slower. Notes and other stuff transmitted by relays. That is so funny. I did a presentation just two weeks ago um, on web development for digital skills for women here in Nova Scotia. And one of the first things that I cover in my web dev presentation is that computer scientists are just super lazy and uncreative at coming up with names. So whatever, whenever you hear an acronym or whenever you hear a term in computer science, it's word for word, just an acronym of something that it actually is. And the fact that there's a word called stuff which has broken, become now a letter in Noster, that, that's really funny. That kind of just proves the point that that is such an uncreative name, but it, it is straightforward. There's no beating around the bush there. That is exactly what the protocol Noster is. And, yeah. and what it does, and I love the fact that the people on Noster, which is like basically for like a half a million people, give or take, they're really creative people. <laughs> like they're hardcore internet memers. So yeah. they've taken Noster and declared themselves like if you're on Noster, you're a Nostrich, like as in an like an ostrich. Oh, is that why ostriches are on the background? Yeah, that's like so everyone on, on Noster is using the the ostrich uh, emoji, and then there's all sorts of these memes of like a purple ostrich and like go join the Nostriches. And uh, that's funny. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Notes and other stuff. Yeah. Transcribed by relays? No. Transmitted. Transmitted by relays. Yeah. Okay. So, like, Nostra at... So, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Breaking it down, what is a protocol? HTTP, for example, is a protocol. It stands for a hypertext, hypertext transfer protocol, and that's how you reach, essentially, any website on the internet, which is why when you look at your URL, it goes HTTP. Usually, it's HTTPS. The S stands for secure, colon, forward slash, forward slash, and then you have your URL. So the protocol that every single website uses or domain name service uses in order to serve you a site is HTTPS. Yeah. That is a protocol. It's a set of rules that every browser follows in order for you to be able to browse something on the internet that lives on a website. So that last thing that you said is actually the key point. It's a set rules. of rules yeah. that I would say a system uses or a protocol uses it all agrees on that rules to accomplish a common end or a common goal. Okay, and, and Noster no is one such set of rules yeah. that... Transmits notes and other stuff. Yeah. And what is notes and other stuff? Well, it it's essentially a social media channel, well, not channel, but a way for people to... It's have a, social a social media, media protocol. Pro yeah, it's a social media... Well, what is a social media protocol? Notes and other stuff is essentially just a really easy way of saying the stuff that you share on apps like Twitter and Facebook and Discord and uh, Reddit, except the difference in this particular protocol, which is an Oster, being that you will not be faced with the same rules of censorship that you will be on other such apps. Yeah, so Nostra was born about like a year, year and a half ago, and like in the midst of heavy internet censorship on social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. And like that's so, I mean, it's interesting, right? If we see a heavy amount of censorship take place, it, it is actually reasonable to expect that something that is opposing that force of censorship would arise out of the internet, right? And that's exactly what we see with Noster. 
It's like Bitcoin. It's a censorship resistant information sharing protocol. And so notes and other stuff, notes would be like something you might see on Twitter. So it's like a, a message, but it's unbounded. So on Twitter, you're limited to a number of characters. We're on Noster and you're not. And then other stuff would be links, images, videos, videos just They're whatever. they come up with something like Twitter spaces on there too. Other stuff also includes money, actually, but oh, we'll, yeah, we'll get true. into that later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've heard of Noster, that's what it stands for. Notes and other stuff transmitted by Relay. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying that over and over again so that I know what it is, but <laughs> hopefully it also is reinforcing for our audience to know what that stands for. And so that is the protocol. Yeah. So it's incorrect lingo for someone to say, I'm on Noster. Are you on Noster? That's like saying, I'm on HTTPS. Are you on HTTPS? Instead of saying, I'm on Facebook. Are you on Facebook? Right. So, I mean, the answer to, are you on the internet is yes, but it's kind of a silly question because everyone's on the internet. If you have the internet, you're on the internet. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I don't know if... There... I don't know how that started anyway, but some of the some of the applications that have been using this protocol so that you can use it too are Damus. That's one. As in Nostradamus. And D-A-M-U-S. Yeah. That's how it's And you can download that on uh, iOS. So Apple. Yeah, the App Store or the Google Play Store too? No. So Damus is not on Android yet. So if you want to access Nostr on Android, then you have to download an app called Amethyst. Like um, the 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 gem. Or yeah, like the, the gemstone. Yeah. Is it is a gemstone? Amethyst is a gem. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But in this <laughs> instance, Amethyst is an application that you on the Google Play Store. Is that also available on the App Store? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, no, not the iOS store, just the Google Play Store. Okay, Amethyst is an Android-only application. Yeah. And Damus is an Apple-only application. Yeah. And then if you're on the web, then you use something called Iris two. Like T-O? Yeah, so like H-T-T-P-S, I-R-I-S dot T-O. Yeah, but don't forget the colon forward slash forward slash after the H-T-T-P-S. Yeah, right, exactly, yes. <laughs> Interesting, I didn't know that da- Damus was only a iOS application, but the cool thing about the protocol Noster is that it kind of acts, well, okay, so let me rewind here. So if you are accessing your Noster profile or creating a profile on Noster using Damus, on Apple, that doesn't mean that you can't also access that same profile from a different phone if that happens to be an Android phone or if you're accessing it from your browser. It's kind of like having an email address that is bitcoin at gmail.com, but being able to access that particular email address from Hotmail as well. Or Outlook. Yeah, where it ends... Or ProtonMail. Yes. And of course, like... It, Any mail client could access the exact same email inbox yeah, without but, having to have any additional configurations. Yeah, so at gmail.com is actually misleading here because that would be really... I think that you can still do that, but... That's why I added without any additional configurations. Yeah. Because like, if you're on Mac, you use the mail app and you can yeah. connect your Gmail inbox to that mail app. Right. But you need to configure your Gmail inbox through... Uh, gmail.com yeah. to forward messages to the Apple mail server. Yeah. Whereas and like Domus and Iris and Amethyst all are intercompatible with one another by default. Yeah, but that that is the same as saying, well, you can access the same website no matter what browser you're using because the protocol that every browser serves is HTTPS. So right. you can be on Brave, you can be on Chrome, you can be on Safari, you can be on Internet Explorer. 
all of them use the HTTPS protocol. So you you're accessing to, the same internet. Exactly. And you'll be able to access the website all the same. So the difference here between all the social media channels or platforms that we're aware of, like Facebook, Google, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, is like when you create content on each one of those single platforms, that content lives on that platform with the exception of Facebook and Instagram. Because, because Facebook kind of, bought Instagram. Right. They're like sort of like the same thing. If they you are. This, they're owned by the same company. Yeah. Like when you create something on Instagram, it shows up on your Facebook story. After you connect the two. But yes. Yeah. So like to illustrate this example a little bit further, like imagine if you created something on Facebook and it was also on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and it, it was like you didn't have to share. You didn't have to click that share button and put that content somewhere else. They're all just using the same protocol to to distribute social media content. And that's what Nostra does. So like if I'm on Domus and you're on Iris, then we're com- we can communicate with one another despite them being different applications because they're different applications for accessing the same internet of social media content. Right. Yeah. Which is really cool. It's, that's like, that, imagine if you had one login uh, for each of the social media platforms uh, like Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc. Yeah. Well, you do have one login for Facebook and Instagram because they're run by the same company, but not not YouTube. But with YouTube, you have the same login for YouTube and Gmail and Drive and whatever else Google owns. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know whether or not that is a good thing or not. You know, just FYI, because with respect to each of these separate social media channels, they offer you different kinds of value. So you won't find the same value on Instagram as you would on Twitter because they're two completely different formats. Right. So I don't know whether or not the fact that Nostra has this ability for notes and other stuff to be on there, it it, it kind of feels like it's going to be a mishmash of all sorts of value and it totally is 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 that is that more valuable to the user or not so domus is trying to be a twitter clone okay and uh nostrogram is another application (laughs) for accessing the same social media network or social media protocol nostr and nostrogram is a clone of instagram and Nostrogram is the application. Nostrogram is the application. And in the Nostra world, we call them clients. But application is a perfectly fine way of uh, referring to them as well. So, yeah, like there's a ton of information, total, a ton of social media content flowing through Nostra, the protocol. But depending on like what kind of content you want to consume, you might go to Nostrogram to see a lot of images. You might go to Domus to get like a Twitter-like experience. You might but go to not the- exactly a Twitter-like experience either, because Twitter, right. the character limit of Twitter, makes Twitter unique. Yeah, yeah, makes Twitter unique. But if Domus doesn't have a character limit, there's no difference between accessing a tweet or accessing something like a tweet versus reading a blog. Right. Like you'll, you'll if you scroll through Domus, you might, you'll Just, see like a blog post, basically. Yeah. It's a huge chunk I have, of text. I have seen a blog post on but something as long as a blog post because I had to scroll so much in order to finish reading it. But I, I don't know. That's I'm why I say Twitter-like yeah. experience rather than a complete Twitter clone. I feel like it's more of a mishmash between Twitter and just text content on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. But what value does it provide you to be on there? To be on Noster? To be accessing the protocol Noster on <laughs> Domus. Okay, so Domus is being built by this guy named William Kassarin, and he he is a Lightning developer as well. And he's also bit, an anal- analyst, isn't he? I have no idea. Oh, but I've, I'm pretty sure he's doing Noster full time, doing Domus full time now because like he's he won a grant. Like Jack Dorsey is on Noster, and he's been 
a big proponent of Nostra in general. Are we just going to continue using the like wrong lingo for Nostra? Well, we're in the early days of Nostra, <laughs> so I think like if we're talking about it, we kind of get to define some of how the lingo is used a little bit. Okay. And uh, if, cool. It's like 1990s saying, "Are you on the internet?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and if there's any Nostrages listening, then you can yell at us in the comments. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry I interrupted you. Um, Jack Dorsey, he he wants to see a lot of stuff built on Nostra in general. What's his motivation? Well, he built Twitter, and he, and like he's, I think, personally said that Twitter's like a mutant as far as like what he intended on building versus what it became. Yeah. And so he is for a free and open censorship-resistant social media platform, and that's pretty well exactly what what Nostra is. So Jack Dorsey wants to build like marketplaces and like Nostra Tube, like YouTube clone, and all of these cloned social media platforms, but built on a censorship-resistant protocol instead okay i have a question about censorship resistant on this sure let's get into censorship resistance in just a moment because you did ask me like why am i on it yeah okay and like the short and skinny is that nostr i'm really interested in the other stuff parts of this because other stuff includes getting Bitcoin. paid for your getting paid for your content yeah so like by default there's a like your nostr profile or nostr access account or whatever you want to call it can be sent bitcoin and it can be sent lightning bitcoin on on the lightning network so like when you're scrolling through Domus, you can get tipped easily. You can paste a, a lightning invoice and, and like random people can pay that on the internet. It's unreal. And it's as easy as tapping on the like button because there's a zap button, at least on the Damas. Yeah, the they're calling them zaps, which zaps. is great. Great name. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm saying that because you don't have to click four buttons in order to pay an invoice. You can just tap on it once and have some sort of configuration on your profile that says every time I zap someone, send them 10 sats or five sats or whatever number right. of sats. So it enables micropayments. It it's makes micropayments easy to send. Yeah. And it's uh, Bitcoin only, which is nice for folks that appreciate Bitcoin only stuff. And it's it's stress testing the Lightning Network, which I, I mean, we may or may not talk about. But it's like it's a real use case, and it inter it's perfectly intercompatible with the, with the Bitcoin network. And so like it's almost kind of like a, a killer app for Bitcoin because the cryptography that Nostra uses is identical to the cryptography that Bitcoin uses. And so they can talk together seamlessly. And like that, that to me, that's amazing. Yeah, well, there are some issues with that as well. I was reading a thread that someone posted. I think their profile name is Room49. And they're also a contributor to the Bitcoin magazine. They were talking about some identity issues or challenges that Nostra as a protocol is facing because it's kind of like not your keys, not your coins. Right. Um, if you lose the way that you can access your profile, then, well, that's gone forever. But then there's also the same challenges that anyone ran into when new technology comes into play is if you don't know what you're doing and you do the wrong thing, then it's very easy for you to lose your, lose everything that you've built up on that particular platform. Yeah. So, for example, I think Bitcoin Gandalf was someone who, instead of posting their pub, like, public key, so public key being the way for someone to find you on Domus using your public key that you kind of like your username protocol yeah it's yeah it's, it's analogous like to your username yeah but instead of posting their npub or their public key they posted their private key on twitter and he they didn't or bitcoin gandalf didn't realize it until people pointed it out to him later but at that point someone already gained access to their account and i don't know what else they did and you but, can't change your password so like yeah. once you post your private key publicly 
yeah, then your no account back. is essentially a, a universal it's public doxed. post account. I don't know if dox is the right word. Dox is not the right word because dox means like they would know right. who, who Bitcoin who Gandalf, who they're, they're, but like it makes their account postable by anyone. Yeah. And you can't change your password. Yeah. So like, yeah, those are challenges for sure. But yeah. it's the same challenges that exist with the Bitcoin wallet. True. True. But okay, so with respect to censorship resistance. Yeah, let's get into that because okay. that's, a, that's a good conversation. Yeah, it's a debatable one or it's one that can attract a lot of debate, which I'm going to introduce in this conversation with us right now. So I'm for censorship resistance, but that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be any rules, at least in the protocol itself, that allow everything, all sorts of content and some really good criticisms for censorship-resistant content or censorship-resistant platforms is what if someone is posting porn or child pornography or just advertising how someone can access guns or, you know, weapons or drugs or just something that is not great for society and humanity itself. Human for, trafficking. Uh, like, for moving forward, yeah. yeah. Anything, so, you name it, yeah. So... Does that fall under the category of censorship resistance? Should like should people be able to just post whatever they want without getting penalized? Is that going to be part of the protocol that, you know, if if, you know, if you are posting something in this category of things, then you are automatically going to be kicked off the platform or you're going to be because I know that that is also a a line that if it's drawn early enough, that's great. But if that's a line that you can erase and redraw, then parties that just have opinions that you don't like can be censored. And I'm not for that. I'm I'm for be people being able to say what they want to say. And there being public and social discourse on either encouraging these people or debating these people. But if someone has the freedom to post things that are not a net positive for for the community forming on that particular platform like posting about where they can go find some child pornography or where they can go find porn or buy weapons or buy drugs or whatever then i feel like that needs to be something that is censored or there needs to be some sort of action taken against it yeah so let's break down how nostra handles this so by default all information regardless of what kind of that information it flows through relays that like relays are, are information agnostic. So they let the good stuff flow through it and they let the bad stuff flow through it. And that's partially because detecting good content, de detecting and distinguishing good content from bad content is actually a fairly difficult problem to solve. Now, relays, the, the infrastructure of Nostr that lets, that distributes information throughout the protocol, we're in the early days of those things being developed. And it's up to individual relay runners or node runners to decide how they implement and how they, uh, yeah, decide how they implement their node. So like, I can imagine that there's some tech savvy folks out there that are going to use AI to look at the content flowing through the relay and uh, use AI to like scan the image and uh, automatically remove content that they individually decide is, is something that they don't want running through their relay. And so that, that doesn't mean that the information is not going to get distributed through other relays, but that means that you as a user of Nostr can go and select the, the relays that you trust and like. So like me as a user, I might go and decide that these three or four or five relays are the ones that I want to give me the content. And so I've essentially outsourced my ability to censor to those folks there. And let's compare that to the way that social media platforms work now. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. 
we outsource censorship to them, large bureaucratic institutions. I'm pretty sure something like a 10,000, the Facebook censorship team or content moderation team is like 10,000 people. And they sit there and they decide what content gets on and uh, on the platform or through the filter. And that's how Facebook deals with it. What Noster by default says all content flows. But it also says that relay runners get to figure out, uh, like get to decide what content flows through their relay. So they can block uh, at the relay level a, a particular public key from, from sharing information through their relay. And I would like to believe that as this protocol matures, we get more sophisticated with how we decide what content is good and bad and who, who gets to block what. But at the end of the day, like how Nostra is designed, it says you as the individual are the arbiter of this content, of what you see. We're, and that's like diametrically opposed to how social media platforms now, work now. We outsource our censorship, the censorship to those big platforms or the, the companies themselves. Whereas Nostra says, no, as the individual as an, a mature adult, you are the one that can can censor that stuff, or sense, choose to censor or not censor. And obviously, there's going to be abuse to that. That is like kind of the double-edged sword to the, to the whole thing I just said. It's like, there's definitely going to be people that distribute bad content through Nostr. It's just an inevitability. And like, people are going to use Bitcoin to send a transaction that pays for guns or pays for a human being. That's that's an inevitability. But protocols, like we have to keep this in mind, protocols are tools. And then how we choose to use the tool is really what matters at the end of the day. And like, I think that to me is where the debate is. Yeah, well, I still, I'm unsure of if whether or not every person who uses this protocol is going to know what to do in order to prevent that from happening. There's right. going to have to be a huge education. There's a technical barrier to that. Well, there's a Selecting technical barrier. Relays. Well, there's a technical barrier already to using the Nostra <laughs> protocol to, you know, be on Damas or right. um, because it involves like learning about public and private key cryptography. W well, to some extent. Not uh, no, I think because it's just really different. So, mm. you know, big social media companies, the really popular ones that most of us are on, have made it so easy for you to get on there, right. sign up for it, and start consuming content that you, at least I think that it is making humans, it's causing a, there's, sorry, I'm going to restart this sentence. There's very less resistance to us as human beings to sign up on those platforms simply because big companies have done so much research on creating low touch point ways for us to get on that platform. Right. They've now, got billion dollar budgets for UI and UX. Uh, no, well, it's not just that. I'm sure that when Instagram was just starting out, I actually read a story about how they got started out. It, it wasn't all perfect from the beginning. And right. I know that that's going to be the same for uh, new applications that do come out. But what is critical mass for some of these applications to take off? You know, even with Damas, for example, the UI sucks. It is terrible. I'm sure that it has gotten better in the past year and a half, but it's not. it does not compare to the UI, that the user, user interface and user experience that you get from being on Twitter or being on Instagram. Right. So there's you, you have to be committed to either wanting to receive zaps or you know, wanting to receive money by being on Domus or be using the Nostra protocol or just feeling like you want to opt out of Twitter because Domus is better for XYZ reasons that are very different from it being easy, user-friendly application to use. 
So there's a technological barrier, not only to, well, there's a huge technological barrier for people to come on there, which is going to make it slower for uh, Domus to receive critical mass. But even for people that have some sort of technological technological knowledge on Bitcoin, for example, like BTC Gandalf, I'm, assu- I'm assuming is a Bitcoiner and owns Bitcoin for them to put it in their username. Uh, I heard that they posted their private key intentionally as like an experiment. No, no not no? in the thread that I read. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not in the thread that I read. And I mean, why would, if, if someone is already familiar with how wallets work, then that's a pretty rookie mistake to make right even for for someone who's familiar with bitcoin so can you imagine how much harder it's going to be for someone who's unfamiliar with bitcoin to want to get on domus their reasons are very few if none at all right Um, oh yeah yeah. i don't think that this is the same argument i make for bitcoin like you don't get, get into bitcoin unless you are facing some sort of pain economic pain yeah like you need a reason to go and like seek out an alternative form of money and I think this, the same is true for social media. You need yeah. a reason to go and seek out an alternative form of social media. Like if TikTok is working for you, great. Like you're just going to stay on TikTok until you're censored or until... Or the government just bans the application in your country oh. like they did in Canada last week. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they did that, didn't they? Yeah. Or or you get kicked off because the kind of content that you put out doesn't comply with the standards of that particular company, which in, in that case, that's essentially like the company themselves forming rules and regulations for what kind of content or censorship or censoring the kind of content that you can and cannot put out but it goes beyond the line of abuse of content right yeah i could see there being a lot of social media pain when these platforms are integrated with government social credit score systems right so like depending on what kind of uh, content you even consume and or produce that might impact your social credit score like that would be wild and that would be a reason for people to be like and you know what that's no longer for me and i think actually i feel like you could actually probably do this well yeah that then there's a good reason for you to be anonymous on nostra right because then there's no way to tie your nostra identity to your real identity other than like through means that you can tie them together you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so the conversation about censorship resistance is a mucky one because it is a murky one i agree uh, i think not mucky mucky murky i think like i've come like full circle with this and like i i used to be like you know don't censor anything but then like that's not a reasonable position on this in my mind anymore because it's like well i don't think that child porn should be owed and easily accessible and distributed. Like, I have to acknowledge that it will be. And if you want to go find it, you'll be able to find it. Like, if you go looking, you'll be able to find it. It's like, probably just Google how to go find it and you'll find how to find it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure sure you can do that. But like, it's accessible. Like, it's on the dark web, right? Like, that's where you'd go. That's the first place you'd go. And if people want to seek that out, they can. But like, I think that should probably be censored and like it should be difficult to access. And if you have it on your computer, yes, I think that you should be held criminally responsible. And if you're distributing it, then you You should should also be penalized for that crime. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So like, it's not as easy as just saying all content should be able to be distributed. But then so like, that's where I'm at with Noster. It's like, who do we put the onus of censorship on? Do we outsource the ownership or sort of the, the responsibility to big companies? And to me, that's a slippery slope because they've demonstrated, at least in the two or, last two or three years, 
that they have their biases and they're willing to execute and act on on their biases and then they're willing to publicly deny that they have a bias yeah so to me that's like mm, i don't know i don't trust you i do in like your social role response- as censorship anymore i do like social responsibility but I, i wonder if there's any way for there to just be spam in that sense you know so if right now if i get email for example that is spam content um i just mark it as spam or and then automatically some of those email addresses keep going in my spam folder i'm glad that you're bringing up spam okay because is there something like that on the nostr protocol well imagine that you have to pay a very small fee to send an email or send a message on nostr like any amount of money yeah. whatsoever. But that's not the case right now. No, but William Kassarin actually built a proof of work Nostr message, a message that requires some proof of work to be done in order to send it. And what that does is it prevents spam. So you can either, you can do one of two things. You can require a proof of work to be done to send a message or you can attach a, a like require a piece of money to be attached to the message in order to send it. And then like imagine I connect to a relay wherein that relay only forwards messages to my feed that have been paid for or some amount of proof of work has been done to allow that message through. And so then I'm like, I'm basically telling that relay only give me stuff that I know people care about distributing. Right. right? That's like having your own list of people you want to listen to. Yeah. And it's like, if you care about your content, if you care about the content of your speech or you care about what you put out there and you care enough to attach a a penny to that right. message, then that's better than someone just like putting out a million free messages a day and just spamming the network. Right, right? They're free to do that. Yeah. But I, as a user, might choose to only view stuff where a piece, uh, a piece of money has been attached to that message. And that piece of money is essentially a spam pre- prevention mechanism. Yeah. Like you can't distribute a million pennies worth of, uh, a, a million messages that cost a penny each because that, that spam will cost you $100,000. Yeah, right. true. Very true. I was just thinking in terms of resistance or censoring of words, this podcast, for example, we've used some words that are definitely red flagged on right. lots of profiles and not profiles, lots of, Speech recognition programs? Uh, yeah, but just channels, social media channels. So if we were to upload a transcript of this, or if we were to... I, I know that YouTube, for example, already has a speech recognition thing, and if it sees that we've used some of the words that are red flag, they could just automatically penalize our content without knowing that we're actually on the same side. We actually care about the same things. We're just making more people aware of how to, or we're sharing our opinion on what we think is a danger to new protocols coming up. Right. Um, and stuff like that. I don't know if our podcast today is going to be penalized or not, because we're not really going to upload it to YouTube. But even on when we upload it to our podcast channel, I, 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 you know, I just wonder if it's going to be censored simply because we are using words that are not great. That's happened to Joe Rogan before too, where he'll they'll just be talking about something. Not they won't be like even taking a stance on it. Yeah. But just the fact that they've discussed it. Yeah. Is is the thing that triggers the AI to to flag it. Yeah. And then to bring it down. Yeah. And like I think that speaks more to the infancy of AI rather than because uh, like there's not actually a, like a huge team of people sitting there and going through every Joe Rogan episode. I mean, there might be. I wouldn't actually be surprised if there was. <laughs> like, I bet there's Spotify has There's definitely has a lot team. of people that are going through Jordan Peterson's content, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Speaking of which, Jordan Peterson tweeted earlier today about a deep fake of his that said something really derogatory, and he talked about how people that create deep fakes of people saying things that are untrue should be penalized for their crimes. Yeah, but that's a not- tough one. He takes hard stances on things sometimes that I don't agree with. Like, I don't know if deep fakes should have a legal backlash to them or like should all deep fakes have a legal backlash to them like if i create a deep fake of the robert downey jr like as iron man doing a scene that ne- that he never filmed himself in you know what i mean and yeah. it's for entertainment purposes and like it's enjoyable and it's harmless it's just iron man robert downey jr as iron man like that sounds all right to yeah, me yeah but you know you you can also get on the weeds with that one because if you do create a clip like that and it becomes super famous and you get some kickback from that yeah, yeah and robert downey jr doesn't get any of that money then can robert downey jr sue the developer of that clip and be like yo you created this and you made money off of it but i didn't make any money off of it and you're using my image my character my likeness my likeness my acting my skills my voice uh, without actually using me without compensating me for me. it yeah exactly so I think that, yeah, if you create a deep fake of Iron Man, like you should probably figure out how to send Robert Downey Jr. some amount of money. (laughs) I'm not, well, I don't know. That, you know, again, like I said, this, this, we can go in the weeds with this because, for example, if someone in a village in India or a village in a developing country gets access to these tools on their school computer and someone is is just in high school, you know, playing around with this and they create something like this and they get some money from it, can, would you think Robert Downey Jr. would really go to this person, this kid who is now using this money to probably buy meals for their family for the week or the month or whatever? I think would it's really got to be contextual. Like, yeah, there's, there, it is so contextual and it's not something that AI can detect. It has to be something that people have to sort uh, through. Yeah, and I, yeah, I don't know. It's, oh. it's, just, it's just a murky conversation. Well, not only with deepfakes, but also 3D printing machines. Yeah, yeah. I had this conversation just yesterday about like, So regardless of whether or not we like the fact that this technology exists, like deepfakes, for example, like the ability to to create deepfake videos, images, audio clips, whatever, it's going to exist. And so we need to have the conversation about what that means and the implications around it and like whether or not we need new legislation to, to regulate or control it, right? Those are the conversations we have to have. The conversation I'm just absolutely not interested in having is like, we got to ban it because like banning stuff doesn't really work, especially if it's internet based. And then B, like just... Oh, banning stuff doesn't work regardless if it's internet based. We've True. seen that <laughs> with drugs. Yeah. Not with, well, not medicines, but probably even medicines actually. For yeah, probably matter. medicines. Yeah. yeah. Oh but my like God. Like definitely weed and alcohol, like prohibitions don't work. They just push stuff underground. But, you know, it's so easy for us to sit on these chairs, Keegan, and say that, oh, it should be regulated. But even when something is regulated, there there are powers in play that want to use the guise of regulation to push an agenda that'll end up having them profit. And a really good example of this is pharmaceutical companies. And no, I'm not really going to talk about the COVID vaccines for this one, but it's just benzodiazepine. And oh my, I, I don't know the names of all of these drugs, but i the Pharmacist, for example, is a documentary or docuseries on Netflix that talks about how his son was subject to one such... Easy access uh, to opioids. Um, no, but it's not easy access to opioids on the streets itself. It's doctors prescribing addictive drugs to people when there can be better solutions and making them essentially dependent on 
the pharmaceutical industry so that they keep coming back for more, which doesn't solve the problem at its core. It only kind of puts a bandaid on it and continues to put a bandaid on it instead of just treating it. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And like, this is why I would prefer like the conversations be around like, how do we regulate it? Like, what is the best way to craft the optics of it, the perception of it that creates the best positive outcome with the least unintended side effects? Because I think everything more or less has its trade-offs, right? Like you're never going to craft perfect legislation that creates all like uh, a multitude of positive outcomes. Like you can create two positive outcomes, but it comes with this one negative outcome. Or you create two negative outcomes and it has a unintended positive outcome that you didn't even notice or see, but like, wow, that's cool how we like messed up, but it actually ended up working out. And like, that's, I, I think that's just the nature of, of, of social systems in general. Yeah, but I'm actually for social enforcement more than I am for legal enforcement. Agreed. Be- <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> like, we want it to be socially unacceptable to create and distribute child porn. Yeah. But, like, it's difficult. That's why people do it in the shadows. Yeah, but it's not just that. You can socially enforce a lot of things, but that, oh gosh, that is just a whole other conversation altogether because how do you create such systems? We are so dependent now on systems that have already been put in place, like the legal system or the policing system, or I don't really know how to label these systems, but we have these systems because they did actually solve a particular problem, but now they've grown too large or they control too much or they legislate too much or they have their fingers in too many pies that it's still not in balance. The problem that they sought out to solve, they're solving it, but that also is creating more problems because now... Unintended side effects. Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw an image, I think it was on After School, the Instagram handle yesterday, and it was a presentation that somebody else gave, but the image was essentially today's problems were created by yesterday's solutions. And it had an image of someone being on social media on, and or being on their phone and how being having a phone help people connect with one another but now we're so addicted to being on the phone and connecting with people online that we can't connect it with one another when we're actually present in person and that's just creating more problems now than uh, it did solve for 10 years ago 20 years ago and you know what the solution to that has been at least in like in like in my life per- speaking personally is like the social enforcement of it being socially unacceptable to be on your phone when in the presence of another human being. Like if if we're at dinner and like I pull out my phone and I'm just like start scrolling Twitter, like you look at me a little real sideways and you're like, King, like, what are you like? Yeah, we're at dinner. Come on, is that needed right now? Like, can can you just wait? Yeah, but you have to listen to some. Most of the times you do. Yeah. But I'm guilty of that too. So this is a good example of social enforcement, right? Because that term comes with, like, because we use the word enforcement, there's like an aspect of negativity to that. But like, we're not really talking about like you holding my arm, like twisting my arm. And holding like you using to the ground and reading your Miranda rights or anything. <laughs> exactly. And like you're not uh, using violence or coercion. Sometimes I do. To enforce the, the social expectation. You are. That was a joke. Yes, it was a joke. It was a good joke. You're using. What, what are you using exactly? Like it's the social. Well, you want to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked. Yes. But if I say something that gives you the impression that I don't like you at that moment because of what you're doing, you want to not do the thing that you're doing that makes me not like you. 
Right. So if I say something like, Keegan, why are you on your phone? When we are playing board games or Scrabble or we're just at the table with your mom and dad, you can hear in my tone of voice that I'm displeased with you and that's an uncomfortable emotion to digest and keep. So because you don't want to keep feeling it, you would put your phone away because you'd much rather not have me displeased with you. Yes. And so let me like pitch something at you here. And this is why I like public key cryptography. Jesus. Public key cryptography as infrastructure for identity or just infrastructure in general for accessing monetary accounts like a bank account and a social media account. And so let me just know if this tracks at all. You mentioned that like our institutions are getting very large and top heavy and oftentimes that has divergent outcomes like unintended side effects and and or they get corrupt in some way, shape or form. They might be solving the solution, but we have some unintended side effects that happen because of that. Let me take the banking infrastructure for a moment here. As an example, like the solution to the banking problem is like we've all... What is the problem that you're talking about? The problem is like they're, we deposit our money there and then they take our money and they distribute it an infinite number of times in, in the form of loans. They make the money and we get poorer over time because central banking exists and the money printer exists. So the problem is that we no longer are the direct custodian of our money. So we've given the responsibility of taking care of our money to them. And what public key cryptography does is it put it gives us back the responsibility of taking ultimate custodianship over our funds. Like if we lose our public and private key, or our private key more rather, then we lose our money. And so we better take care of that thing. Like that is the, the epitome of responsibility. Whereas we outsourced responsibility before, and that caused a very large ballooning and top heaviness of these institutions. Um, like call it Facebook, call it any bank, call it like, you know, these really large Goliath Titan companies. Public key cryptography is is about putting that responsibility back into the individual. So like you are the arbiter of your speech on Noster, like no one else is responsible for that. You are the arbiter of how you use your Bitcoin wallet. No one else is responsible for that both in terms of like you keeping that safe and in other words. Yeah. You are arbiter of your speech on Twitter as well, though. And the other problem with that is companies don't get this big without them actually offering a value to True. the market that they off, uh, that has them become that big. And that's not to say that now you can just create fake profiles. And I'm not sure how many people on Twitter are actually, pip or, uh, are actually people and how many of them are bots or how many of them are fake profiles created by other people to introduce uh, propaganda into uh, a particular scenario. This so, is what you said about yesterday's solutions creating today's problems, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, banks solved a real problem. Yeah, they, they really did. did. Yeah. They, they they made it so... The they, life cycle of any product or any solution, or I think that just the way forward is there is a problem, you get a solution, the solution has consequences. And it creates new problems. Some of the consequences are great, some of the consequences are not so good, and then you kind of just keep going forward. Yeah. Because that's what progress is. That is what progress is. Yeah. But we should not stifle progress <laughs> in general, generally speaking. Yeah, true. We really got on a tangent there. Well, it was a good one. I it think it was good. a good tangent. Yeah, I think we might have to save the SAS mining stuff for another episode. Yeah, we're 50 minutes in. Which means, yes, we get to do episode 101. Or, 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 or we, we can do it on another name. Because, again, GoFull Crypto just really does not encompass who we are, Keegan. Because you and I, we weren't talking about crypto necessarily in the past 15 minutes. We talked yes, about... I said public cryptography. Keegan? Yes, Murga? That is inaccurate. Crypto stands for cryptocurrency as well. And it was very clear, if anybody listens to 
any one or two of our previous episodes that crypto meant cryptocurrency, not cryptography. Okay, well, we're going to change her name to Go Full Cryptography. Oh my God, Keegan. Okay. So, well, let's just touch on SaaS mining a little bit and then we can call it ends or quits. Okay. Or, or we can succumb to social pressure if anybody has listened or for those of you that have listened to this episode so far, let us know if you want us to do episode 101 and then quit or start... <laughs> Start a, a new show and do episode one on other things. I like that more. So let's tell people how they can reach us. Okay. Well, on Noster, I'm npub64821636. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm Bitcoin Keegan, basically everywhere on the internet. And that's key spelled Keegan, <laughs> key spelled with K-E-E, two E's, not E-A. Or E-Y, for that matter. So can you just spell your name? K-E-E-G-A-N. Yeah, Bitcoin Keegan. And I'm Rigakshi. It's my first name and it's my username everywhere as well. Just my first name. M-R-U-G-A-K-S-H-E-E. So find us, tell us what you want us to do or what you demand of us. Or what do you demand of us? <laughs> what you we would, shall execute. What you would like to see us do next. You and, are our boss. <laughs> and that will essentially help us make the decision on whether that's going to be an episode 101 or if we're just going to start a new show with a new name. Well, I do think SAS Mining has like a whole hour of content. Like we want to yeah. be talking about ES the ESG and like the environmental stuff. And like there's some good stuff in that so conversation. So to end this episode, Keegan, you are a senior full stack developer at SAS Mining. Yes. Which is a Bitcoin mining company, but it is a hosted Bitcoin mining company, which means you can mine with SAS Mining, but you are the owner of the Bitcoin mining rig that they set up in a facility and their commitment to setting up this facility is that it's always going to be powered by renewable energy because they want it to be 100% green energy. So yeah. you're essentially mining, but you don't have to go through the effort of finding something to house your mining rigs. If you're doing it in your home or your garage, you don't have to deal with the excess heat. You don't have to find cheap electricity because all of that SAS mining does for you. And you also don't have to maintain it. Listen to it run because it's actually really loud. Mining yeah. rigs are super loud. Yeah, tell us. Uh, yeah, any, essentially, so Bitcoin mining, hosted Bitcoin mining is what SAS mining, the company that Keegan and I essentially also work for. And that's that. Yeah, you nailed it. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I need to add anything hosted to that. Hosted Bitcoin mining. You'll have so to tune into episode 101. Or episode one. <laughs> or episode one of unknown name podcast.com. Yeah. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. This was episode 100 of the Goalful Crypto Podcast. I'm your host, Murgakshi Palway, and Keegan is, Francis is your co-host. And uh, we signing will, off. We will talk to you again later. Cheers, everyone.